Hello and welcome to Cruising for a Reviewsin, the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today I'm joined by Scott. Hello, I'm Scott Wampler. Thank you for joining me from the other side of the world. We are literally on the other, like, other side of the world in terms of physically and time zones. It's <laughs> yes. first thing in the morning for you and it's nearly <laughs> 1am for me, so that's fun. Uh, yeah, scheduling this episode was, was a journey. That we went on together, I think, and um, continued right up till the minute we started talking. <laughs> Slept through in a lot. Wait, did I? I didn't. It doesn't matter. No, we. It like, doesn't matter. We, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I know is that no matter how much I tried, even with the help of an app, I still could not wrap my mind around how time zones work. Oh, I. I don't get them. I certainly don't. Wait, uh, Over, if you oh, were twenty four hours behind. It would be fine, but no. It, uh, yeah, well, that would be an even number, wouldn't it? That would be like, yeah. yeah uh, or even 12 hours, <clears throat> but no. Yeah. No, here in America, uh, we are unfortunately very self-centered. And so time zones are like a thing, like, oh, why would I bother learning time zones when this is the center of the universe? Yeah, we're really bad about that and everything else, but, you know. Okay, so we are reviewing a film today, as I did in my last episode with Maria. We're cheating a little bit. Uh, we're doing a movie that you have seen before, but I think you said it's been a long time since you've seen it. Yeah, it had been a while. I think I looked, I glanced at a look at, uh, at a list of the titles you had done recently, and the ones I really would have wanted to do were somewhat recent. So I was like, okay, well, let's pick one that I haven't seen in a while. And I knew I liked The Firm, so... Oh, I just casually revealed the title. I hope you weren't building up to oh, no. it. <laughs> no, we weren't. We weren't. Yeah, we're doing The Firm, everyone. <laughs> it is a 1993 film directed by Sidney Pollack. It is one that I'm surprised I hadn't done already. Either everyone had seen it or it just didn't seem to suit the people, like my friends who were offering to do an episode with me. But it worked out well for me, so I get to do it with you. So what do you, What do you mean it didn't suit the people that might have done it? Well, we'd always think of another, like they'd say, oh, I haven't seen this, this, and this. I'm like, Oh, there's a bit of a connection between you and this other film. Oh, like, okay, I see. I'd, sometimes, if I could, <clears throat> I would try and find like something that kind of linked them to that movie in some tiny way. And sure, I had a one friend who expressed interest, but we never got around to it. Who just works in an office and everything. I'm like, you're an office worker. Maybe we can do the firm, and that it never happened. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of what the vibe I went You've for. You've yeah, used so. a computer before, right? <laughs> <clears throat> just like Mitch McDeer. You're real. I, and let me please let me say. You're very smart doing it this way where you're sort of kind of eyeballing a connection between the guest and the, the topic, but ultimately letting them pick. We do the same thing on, uh, I have a show called The King Cast. It's a Stephen King thing and we, um, you know, we have guests on to talk about various Stephen King adaptations and unadapted King work. And we always, always, always let the guest pick the title. If you assign homework to someone, you just don't get as good of uh, results, I don't think. No, definitely not. And if they've already got like a little connection to it. I mean, that's that's been my only flaw is making it movies people haven't seen before. Yeah, that's tough because, with Cruise, dude. Yeah. It's either a case I found that people have either seen all Tom Cruise movies or they've seen almost none. <laughs> like there's actually not a lot of middle ground <laughs> people who've seen like a bunch yeah um it's either people totally dig tom cruise and want to see all these movies or just because they're all really popular movies they end up going to see them or they hate tom cruise <laughs> or they're just not into movies and yeah can i ask you do you know um have you noticed like a thread between all your guests of the cruise movie people have seen the least like is there a title that keeps coming up <sighs> no one had seen american mate <laughs> that's, I don't think anyone did here either. 
Well, no one knew it existed. Actually, Night and Day is another one, which is wild because I love that movie now that I've seen it. But mm-hmm. I vaguely remember hearing about it when it came out. And I don't know, nothing. It obviously didn't do that well here or didn't show very much. But American Mate, I do not remember at all. You know, as we're talking about this, I don't know if I've actually seen it. Doug Lyman directed that one, right? Yes. Huh. If I've seen it, I've I've completely forgotten it. Night and Day, I sort of remember. I saw that one once, I think. But I remember it being fun. Well, I'm a very big fan of um, Ethan Hunt and Mission Impossible movies. Oh, so yes, of course. Seeing like a more fun, lighthearted, sexy Ethan Hunt, I was like, oh, okay. This is, <laughs> right. This is wonderful. <laughs> He's, he, he has great chemistry with Diaz. Oh, amazing. So good. You know, and you're right about that. Mission Impo- I love Mission Impossible movies so much. I, I think it's the most consistently, well, it's just the most consistent franchise right now in Hollywood, I think. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of people would point you toward Fast and the Furious, but I still think of those movies as just like soap operas with cars crashing in them all the time, you know? I have never been able to get past that the first one just felt like Point Break, but with cars. I have never been able to get past that. So I've only seen a handful of those movies and... I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll make yeah. a suggestion for you and I'm, I'm really not pushing this franchise on you in general because i didn't see any mm. of them up until the fifth one and on the fifth one i was dating somebody who was into fast and the furious she kind of dragged me along to see it if i remember correctly and i loved it i was i had no idea who anyone was but it was so over the top and ridiculous that it was sort of like it pummeled you into submission you you had to be having a good time by the end of it mm. and um and then i watched the ones after that i've never gone back and seen the other ones and i i don't think the series has ever gotten better than five so if you just want to watch one of them to get a a sort a somewhat representative uh look at the series check out fast five that one's fun i will and honestly i love trash action movies so i know i'd enjoy them all to be honest uh just it's such a big commitment now that i because i didn't watch them as they came out and the thought of sitting through 10 or more (laughs) although i saw i saw Hobbs and shaw so oh no I don't think I, I don't think I saw that. I, I think I was planning to see it, and then I had friends that saw it, and they were like, "Don't, just don't." Look, I love The Rock. I love Jason Statham, and I love big, bawdy, silly action movies. So right, it satisfied a lot of that. Yeah, although the trailer ruined it. The trailer, like every movie I went to see leading up to that movie, the trailer gave everything away, and it drove me mad. But it was still really fun. Yeah. They're really bad about that with trailers these days. Okay, The Firm. The Firm. So this is based on, I have just forgotten his name, a Grisham novel, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, I thought this was going to be my most researched episode yet, but maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, so I haven't read the book. I haven't actually read any Grisham books. Mm -hmm. Not really my bag. Right. It seems like this one was pretty well, like quite similar to the book, except for a a little bit of a change in the end. And one of the plot points is a bit different, but otherwise seem the same. and, And I definitely don't need to read the book then if it's that similar i don't think i've read any grisham either obviously a very popular novelist but um you know when this one movie was made and grisham was sort of at the height of his powers in you know the literary world i was i was too young to to give a shit and also i was like a monster kid i wanted to i wanted to read horror stuff i didn't want to read about lawyers yeah i was too busy reading every single christopher pike book that I ever yeah for real right than to like sit around reading old people books take me to fear street buddy like, I don't need to know about whatever's <laughs> going on in Memphis with these, like, crusty old dudes pushing paper it's in an lawyers. office. Yeah, a wood-paneled office. I don't give a fuck. No, no interest in reading his books. Uh, but I don't mind some of his movies, like some of the movies that have been adapted mm-hmm. into. For some reason, I thought A Few Good Men was a Grisham novel and then quickly remembered that it's not. <laughs> well, it's got, a, it's got a legal case in it. So it's, you- it has law, so. <laughs> yeah. 
They're doing lawyer stuff in it. Gotta be Grisham. Political intrigue. Wow, must be. Um, but I think these these two came out one after the other, which is kind of funny because I don't think Tom Cruise has done another law movie since. Just did two in a row and was done. The closest thing I think would be he played a senator in Lions for Lambs. Oh, that's a movie no one's seen and oh, no yeah. one should see. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember nothing about that one. I saw it's it. It's so it came dry out and, and boring and oh. Yeah. I remember it having a really great cast. But that's about it. Oh, wonderful cast. Just I'm like, this is so boring. And it's just Robert Redford kind of being like, look how woke I am. And I, <laughs> uh, no thanks. That's what we want from Robert Redford. Sure. Definitely why I go to the movies. <laughs> uh, the firm, I'll go through the actors. So this is a pretty decent cast too. So the main character is obviously played by Tom Cruise. His name is Mitch McDear. He is married to a character called Abby, who's played by Jean Triplehorn, who I only really know her as the female lead in Waterworld. Yes. Actually, when I was going through the list, I was like, I actually don't know her from much else. Gene Hackman is Avery Toller. An interesting fact I saw about this movie is there was like this weird contract thing where he was meant to have his name before the title, but Tom Cruise's contract said only his name could be. So Gene Hackman was like, fine, just don't put my name on the poster. So no one knew he was in the movie until they watched the movie. <laughs> It's a big flex. Um, like, I mean, Gene Hackman's famously an arsehole, isn't he? Um, I think so. The... I think that's the that's the perception. He's sort of a sort of a national treasure, you know. But I understand mm. he is very grumpy. So you know, I, f- I think if I was Gene Hackman, I would be very grumpy too. So yeah, you're Gene Hackman. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, be grumpy. You earned it, buddy. We have other characters. If I start reading them out, it's gonna be a little bit boring. But Ed Harris is in this as an FBI agent, Wayne Terrence. Holly Hunter is in it quite briefly, but she actually still got nominated to be Best Supporting Actress that year. Um, she plays Tammy. Gary Busey's briefly in it as Eddie Lomax. Yeah, who else is in there? We've got oh, Wilford Brimley, who is the security yes. guard William, who I only really think of as being from Cocoon. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, he's the diabetes guy too, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, a, this is a very different character to kind of, if they're the only two things you know him from, from that's yeah very different he's quite quite a jerk probably one of the big villains in this movie speaking of yeah you know who else is in here is jigsaw tobin bell oh yeah yeah he's playing oh he's a creepy looking man fuck yeah he is going on there oh just awful and then and, he, and, and with the long hair, it's particularly unsettling, his whole presence. Mm, and as he starts running, and I'm like, oh, no, stop. Um, <laughs> he, he's <laughs> Jigsaw awful. doesn't run? What is this? <laughs> the other hitman who was alongside him is, oh, I've forgotten his name, Azak Schrader. Fuck, I've forgotten his name. Sex Gifts Guy. What's his name? Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lots of fun uh, people popping up through. Yeah, but Tom Cruise is Mitch, uh, who we follow. He Mitch is, has just graduated from Harvard, mm-hmm. like top of the class, and he's getting all these job offers to join different firms. I think they're in Chicago, right? They're in Memphis, but they're... Oh, uh, before they moved to Memphis. I think oh, they're in, in Boston. They're, they are in Boston? Yes. Oh, Chicago is where the, the mob guys are that... Oh, yep. I knew there was a Chicago connection. Um, So he's working as a waiter you know, just doing what college students do to get by. He manages to secure a very good offer from a firm in Memphis, which his wife, Abby, is reluctant about, which, I mean, if you lived in Boston, I don't think you'd want to move to Memphis for a job, but I also haven't been to Memphis, so I don't know. They do, he doesn't take it straight away. They actually go and visit so they can sort of suss it out. Mm-hmm. 
and immediately 10,000 red flags. She has is kind of told like, you know, it's not forbidden for you to work. You know, <laughs> you're, you're allowed to work. She's like, what the hell? Right. And, you know, you should definitely have children, you know, stability and all that sort of stuff. But nonetheless, he decides to take the job. Um, I guess $96,000 when you're just out of college is probably like a really big amount of money. It, I couldn't it, even fathom earning that now, let alone in $1993. Yeah, it's a, uh, it would be, it would be a, a sizable starting salary. Um, um, even still yeah. and in 92 i guess they this was like yeah absolutely that would have been big money mm. and especially if all your shit is getting paid for dude because they're paying for the house they're paying for his car they're paying for you know they even furnish the house you know when he comes in and they end up paying off his student loan yeah. which is probably <laughs> quite a lot of money <laughs> they're doing everything they can to make this dude happy yeah so he ends him. up he does end up taking yeah and he does end up taking it when he's they offer it to him they did it a sneaky thing where they're like if you were any good you wouldn't even have to look at it you could work it out and he actually they actually kind of make him work out how much he was offered by doing like lawyer stuff to kind of <laughs> yeah. nut out whether or not what <laughs> how much money it was that's a f but that's like one of my favorite moments in the movie because it's there's a reason for him to do that in the moment you know so it may it makes sense but mostly it's there to show you how effective he is as as a lawyer like on the floor and, um, and like maybe some little bit of foreshadowing into how manipulative they are yeah perhaps Every time I see this, and granted, it's not that often, I always get a kick out of like that scene where once he gets up out of his chair and you're like, oh, shit, he's going to do lawyering. And sure enough, <laughs> he does the lawyering. You mentioned Tom Cruise in Another Life could have been a really good lawyer, too. He's like when he gets into that mode. Mm. Incredible. You would believe Tom Cruise if he told you something for sure. Well, I I, I used to cover the film industry. That was, that was my job until COVID happened and then wiped out our website. For some years, I was going every year to Las Vegas to a convention called CinemaCon, which is like a huge convention for theater owners all over the world and particularly the United States. And it's held at the at Caesars Palace in Vegas. And they try- oh, Hell yeah, that rules. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was fucking rad, dude. Every studio would have, you know, a multi-hour presentation. So it would be like, well, today we got Warner Brothers, Paramount, and Sony. And then the next day it's like Disney and so on and so forth, right? And the studios would trot out these major fucking stars to basically present trailers and whatnot for whatever movie they had coming. So it's like a promise to these theater owners, like, here's what you're going to get this year and you're going to make so much money, you know, like that sort of thing. And one of the years oh, yeah. that I was there, like Tom Cruise came out and presented footage from one of the Mission Impossibles. And I'm sitting in the press section in the Coliseum in Caesar's Palace. So we're a pretty healthy distance from the stage. But even from that mm. distance, when Tom Cruise like entered the room, that guy had has, I'm not sure I've ever seen it with another human being, but a very strange like aura about him where he walks into a room and your eyes do not leave him. He is seems to be radiating some sort of power that I know that sounds crazy, but it's it's true. And and that night they had a dinner for him like in his in his honor and fucking James Corden hosted it. And uh, we ate at a table like, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was exactly what you thought it would be. <laughs> and we ate at a table, like two tables over from Cruz. It was the same thing. Just knowing he was in the mood, the room, there was this like weird magnetic presence and you kept like stealing glances at him, even though, you know, he's just over there eating a bad steak, you know, he's not doing anything mm. interesting. So my, my point being that if Tom Cruise was a lawyer, yeah, yeah, I think he would slay every jury you put him in front of because you just like he's so magnetic and charismatic and all those other words. I think he's one of like a handful of 
actors who actually have that proper star power. Right, that, right. Yeah, no matter, like, even if you hated him, if he walked past you or whatever, you would be starstruck. Like, you would have no choice. Absolutely, absolutely would. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's it's fucking... <laughs> I'm so it, jealous. <laughs> it's, it's weird as shit. People, like, I've told people that story and they look me in the face and be like, they think I'm exaggerating, but I'm telling you, if you're ever in a room with Tom Cruise, you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. He's like, it's like an alien thing almost. It's so strange. One could argue it is an alien thing it's something to do with psychology <laughs> yeah. making him Z- <laughs> super powerful He's channeling xenu is what's going on <laughs> yes um well it just depends we have to do an experiment to see if he was like that in the 80s or <laughs> if it's the power of scientology that got him where he is now yes they hands up taking the job so uh, like even after they go to memphis suss it all out his wife is quite sus on everything he still decides to take the job i guess the money is too good to be true um there's a really nice little moment when they're walking down i can't think of the name main street of memphis but there's a kid who's busking who does flips for people to pay him and <laughs> yeah. for some reason mitch decides to start doing flips too which is i think tom cruise if he was allowed to would have tried to do it but i don't think it was him the way they cut it made it look no like that's definitely not it cruise. probably wasn't him yeah but i'm sure he would have given it a good try if he could have it's just in there to establish that this guy even though he's a lawyer has the physical power to pull off some of the stuff that he does later yeah Mc- mcdeer does later in the movie yeah not very subtle not subtle that scene <laughs> no so they end up moving there. So we get told at some point that Abby obviously grew up really wealthy and that she kind of gave it up to be with Mitch, mm-hmm. who grew up poor and maybe in a trailer park, the way they, they mentioned something, and his brother is in prison, which he doesn't tell any of this to the firm, which I don't think I even said their name. Shit, what is it? Bendini, Lambert, and Locke. That's it, Bendini, Lambert, and Locke, which is kind of fair enough like later on they kind of asked why didn't he tell us I'm like why would you say like I don't think it's any of their business but also maybe it is if someone's in prison I don't know it could reflect poorly but really like I don't I don't know that legally you have to disclose that so there's that little bit of an imbalance there like he's so keen to do this because he's like this is amazing money when she's like well money's not everything kind of situation so that kind of comes up a few times we find out pretty quickly that everything they do is being kind of watched it's just like a little scene where we we first meet the security guard William who Wilford Brimley he kind of says oh the only calls that they made from the hotel were like to her mom and to the school board in Memphis like everything's above board so yeah we're kind of being told yeah they're um, watching them straight off the bat to see what they're like which comes back to haunt them catastrophically later in the movie oh there's a bit more foreshadowing as well they keep talking about Kaczynski and Hodges Mm -hmm. and we we need to do something about them which happens pretty quickly Uh, at one point they go back Mitch and Abby go to I don't know have lunch or something with uh, what's his name Lamar and his wife so Lamar is one of the other junior like lower down lawyers Mm -hmm. and when they get there they're distraught and it's because these two guys that we just mentioned have been have died in a really horrible accident a boat exploded and they died and (laughs) abby's first sort of uh feeling that she gets is like oh she wasn't sad she was scared like she wasn't crying because she was sad about it she was kind of scared and so abby's alarm bells are ringing lamar's sitting out on the back patio you know like just staring into the distance when cruz comes out there and the sprinkler is just 
just going back and forth across his leg and he's not moving mm. to me is like one of the more indelible images in this movie. I always I, I think about that moment a lot just randomly. I think the first time I saw this movie, I was like, oh, well, he's really beat up about this. But knowing that it's because everyone's aware of all the, the dodgy shits happening in the firm. Spoiler, right, right. But he, yeah, he's not doing that because he's distraught. He's doing that because he's like, scared oh, shitless. Really heavy. Yeah. yeah. And because he also said, instead of like talking about what's happened when Mitch goes out, he's just like, oh yeah, um, bring your paperwork in. You shouldn't have to pay off your student loan. Um, they'll they'll pay it for you. Like he just kind of switches to like this default work mode, even though he's you know catatonic with shock and yeah, company man through and through. First day for Mitch um, when he goes to work for the first time, he is absolutely stoked to be there. He gets there at like six thirty in the morning, and there's no one in the office except we see Kaczynski's office. So this is just before. Kaczynski gets killed, I guess, um, where the security is in there and they just close the door mysteriously. Straight off the bat, though, apart from that weird little interaction, he's thrust straight into it. Everyone keeps piling stuff on his desk. I don't understand anything about law, so I, <laughs> I don't know. They were just binders and binders and they kept telling him about no one's ever failed the bar exam, don't forget. He gets to meet his, I guess, what would you call him? Like um, Avery Toller would be his, he's um, his mentor? Yeah, he's like his mentor in the, in the firm. I don't, I don't know that it's outright stated, but it's it's heavily implied that new new folks are taken under the wing of sort of an elder statesman from the firm, and Avery is his. So that's Gene Hackman's character. So they they take him um, takes him out for lunch, and immediately the first thing he goes into is how always be billing clients. Like if you're even thinking about a client, make sure you're billing them, which sets up the entire plot of the movie because uh, that's what the whole plot's about. Basically, mm-hmm. they you know, talk about things like how neither of them are idealists about being lawyers. They they did it for like really practical kind of reasons. Like Mitch, what was Mitch's thing? He just saw, he saw the pizza place he worked at go out of business because he didn't pay taxes. And he's like, that sucks. Okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. So I can make sure that doesn't happen to other people, but not in any kind of lofty reason. Just like, oh, that's shit. I'm going to become a lawyer (laughs) kind of thing. It'll be easy. I don't know. Does, do many people become lawyers for like really idealistic, like I'm going to change the world reasons? I would assume I so, must. right? You know. I assume they don't last very long. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> well, the yeah, that's the thing. The legal system is so fucked, but I, I think that there must be some, idealistically, you, you must assume if you're interested in getting into that world that you might have the power to change it, perhaps from within. I guess if you're in like human rights laws or, you know. Sure. I'm sure if you're getting into marine law, it's not because you want to save the world necessarily. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping around a bit over the place, but those guys die. It's a bit, little bit sus. And then we go to their funeral. There's this really kind of strange interaction between Abby and Avery. Mm. Avery is quite flirty with her, which is really strange at a funeral <laughs> with her husband nearby. Yes. Sets off sort of way that he he's quite interested in, in Abby. And, you know, she points out to him like, oh, you knew them well, aren't you? Yeah, you must be racked with grief. And he's like, we all grieve differently. Like, okay. Um, By hitting on our colleagues' is, wives? <laughs> that's... A kind of grief, I guess. Um, a horny kind of grief. Ah, <laughs> oh, the 90s. <laughs> they hadn't taken sexual harassment uh, training seminars yet, apparently. Oh, absolutely not. Well, like when they talk earlier, where they're talking about there's like no one's been, no one in the firm is divorced, um, no bachelors, and like, were there any other any women? And like, oh, there was one once, but you know, affirmative action on four inch heels kind of thing. And she's another lawyer who happened to die in the last 10 years. So that's another. Not suspicious. Not suspicious. No, a lot of 
deaths in this film. Oh well, <laughs> keep going. Yeah, the it's kind of just goes through the him settling in. He is at the firm just all the time, which I imagine is probably what it's like. If you're going to move into some big fancy firm for a lot of money, you're probably going to be worked to death for the first year or so. So um, Abby doesn't really cope with it that well. She gets pretty upset about it. Like I said before, it's because she doesn't think the money is worth not ever seeing her husband kind of thing where he's like, well, I'm making all this money and I want to, I want to spoil you. So it is worth it. So like a little tiny bit of conflict starts arising there. They end up going to, so for some reason, I guess... I don't know if this is something I missed. They go to the Cayman Islands a lot. I know there's this one client called Sunny mm-hmm. who's there, but they can't possibly be seeing him every time. So is the Cayman Islands one of the places where you have offshore accounts? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so they're hiding money there. And okay. this guy happens to be there. And also it happens to be the place where boats are exploding and, and killing the lawyers. Boats just explode out of the <laughs> yeah. Avery loves diving, so they make a really big point, which will come back into play later, about how... You're not allowed to fly and dive in the same 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. So when he takes Mitch to the Caymans, like the first thing they have to do, even though they've got a full schedule, is they have to go diving. Otherwise, they cannot because they make sure there's at least 24 hours before they fly again. I uh, looked it up. Apparently, that is mostly true. So... It's a fun fact. How do you think they figured out that shit? Like, how many people had to get, like, violently ill underwater before they pieced it together? Oh, it's because he was on an airplane yesterday. Of course. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I feel really awful for the people who uh, figured that out. And it wouldn't have been, it kind of been that long ago, like, scuba diving and right. airplanes. Like, <laughs> right. Haven't been, yeah, like, just a whole bunch of people got the bends in the air or, like, I don't know. Just... Blow up like the balloons in the water. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and what does it do to you? I want to know. I want to know about that. So yeah, they go to the Cayman Islands. Mitch is kind of stressed, so he's already kind of feeling a little bit sus about stuff. So a little bit pre earlier on one of his nights where he's working really really late, he's working at a diner, and I don't know why he's working at a diner. Why if he could work at a diner, why didn't he just go home? He's doing some work, having a coffee, and these two guys come in, start talking to him, and immediately they know a lot about him and they're FBI agents and they're kind of just like, oh yeah, you work for them. I hear this, this and this. Anyway, catch you later. So a couple of things they said to him have kind of piqued his interest. So when he goes to the Cayman Islands, he's a little bit sus. He's done a tiny bit of research on some of the people who've died from the firm Mm -hmm. and nothing really came up, but he did see a little tiny bit of snippet of information about the recent boat explosion. (laughs) When they go to the Cayman Islands, he actually has like looks into it a little bit and like basically what he finds out is the boat that exploded it was charted by these two guys and two other random guys but the other two guys their bodies were never found and he describes a very stocky kind of wrestler looking man and then a man with long white hair and bright blue eyes who we described before uh basically the hitman for the firm Mm -hmm. and mitch is like oh shit this is getting really uh twisted now while avery is getting ready before they go to dinner one night he and very brazenly gets a key and unlocks this cupboard and spies through all these files and a lot of these boxes of files have like the names of the dead lawyers on them and like he knocks over his beer and just kind of leaves it in the cupboard yeah i have questions about that I is Avery just never going to look in? I guess maybe they don't look in there very often, but it was pouring out the door. Right. Like, and the, the fucking, there's like a chunk of the bottle still in there. I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's, that's a wrap for you. The next time someone opens, the, there's no, there's no opening that door and not noticing a puddle of sticky beer and a half a glass bottle sitting there. Maybe they're just like, oh, that Avery, he always just smashing <laughs> bottles and leaving them around. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe. Hopefully for Mitch, anyway. And maybe everything progresses so quickly in this movie that no one ever gets sus in that because, yeah, you know, no one gets a chance to go into that bloody cupboard again. So they go, they're on the Cayman. So oh yeah, after all that, they go to the, the hotel bar, I guess. There's lots of horny, floaty women who, you know, trying to get into their pants. And Mitch kind of brushes one off, but he goes for a walk on the beach and is seduced by another one who she, you know, She's having a bit of a like physical altercation with a man. It's implied that she might be a sex worker. She says all the right things to kind of hit the right buttons for Mitch and they end up having sex on the beach. Apparently really full-on sex too, from what they say later on. <laughs> uh, because it's actually, it's like, you know, it's talking about the word saying oral and stuff. And I'm like, oh, oh, on the beach? No shit. It's basically a setup to make sure that Mitch stays tr- faithful to the firm. And so they set it all up and, yeah, took photos of it all happening so they could use it against him if anything happened, which they do. <laughs> Almost immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, immediately. When they get back from the from the Cayman Islands, oh, no, they actually, sorry, um, before they leave the Cayman Islands, they meet with old mate Sonny, who heavily insinuated that he has something to do with the mob because he keeps saying the people I know in Chicago and when Mitch questions Avery about it he's like don't even worry about it he just he likes to talk big it's all very sus and Mitch is starting to like that's is starting to see all the red flags that he missed earlier Mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see you talk your way through the back half of this movie where it gets so goddamn busy. There's like, there's scenes in this movie where there's like a scene of a plane landing and then right on top of that, another plane landing in a different location and a train pulling into a station somewhere. It's so convoluted. So good luck, buddy. When I I first uh, watched it, I'm like, oh, the second half of the movie is just running. And then watching it again a couple of times, I'm like, "Mm, no, a lot more happens than running. I, I missed a lot. I just was like, wow, look at Tom Cruise running so much. I didn't expect so much running in the firm. No, lots, a lot happens, yeah. So after they get back from the Cayman Islands, Avery's like, all right, go home early and go see your wife, whatever. Instead, Mitch decides to go actually visit his brother, who conveniently is in a prison, like, just across away from Memphis. <laughs> More or less. So he gets to meet him and he actually immediately like tells him like, hmm, you're in jail, but yet I'm the one surrounded by all the criminals. He talks to him about it and his brother Ray, who's in there for manslaughter, he and he's obviously having a really bad time in prison, is like really, really keen to get out um, on parole as soon as possible. He says, look, I think you need to look into this. I know someone that you should go see. His name is Eddie Lomax. Um, go talk to him and see if he can help you, which Mitch immediately does like just doesn't doesn't go home just goes straight to Eddie Lomax and that is Gary Busey's character who Gary Busey I don't apparently there was someone else who was cast initially as this character but I don't think anyone else could do it like Gary Busey nope a universal (laughs) truth no one can do it like Busey oh my goodness um so yeah he meets with him and like straight off the bat is like oh yeah I was cellmates with your brother uh did he tell you it was statutory rape and just like that's his introduction to this man (laughs) who's supposed to better help him uh, with this terrible situation that he's found himself in but we also get to meet um the character of Tammy played by Holly Hunter who is possibly one of the most wonderful characters I've ever seen in a film oh yeah she's great in this yeah she's only on the screen for like five five and a half minutes and she got nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar. The thing I noticed because I am a nail tech is that she has the mo- the longest, most beautiful like pink nails throughout the movie, which you don't see in movies very much because having long nails is like, you know, for continuity and stuff is a bit of a pain. But they also explain that away because she has different nails 
and a different wig on all the time. So yeah, she's always changing her appearance. Master but, of disguise. Yeah, she's, yes. Oh, she's she's wonderful. I I don't even know how you'd describe her. Like, well, she's a real character. You know, her her very first moment on screen is she's telling a story about like what happens if you load the printer improperly or something, and she's kind of dancing around in the office. Like, she's very effervescent and bubbly in like a, a very subtly southern sleazy way. It's yeah. it's hard to. I know what you mean. It's hard to like completely identify the character under one like the only thing i could say to kind of like a, a dolly parton kind of thing where it's kind of like a little bit yeah sleazy and sexy but also really cute and charming yes kind of vibe like you can't help but like her even though she's technically probably what you'd call white trash like <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely wonderful brilliant nails and wigs so yeah he tell mitch tells him all this information and he's like this is kind of beyond my level of ex- expertise but you know because your brother's with ray i'm gonna look into it for you which <laughs> immediately backfires because as soon as he does any kind of probing mm-hmm. the hitmen are sent out and there's like it's a pretty fun scene where eddie and tammy are making out and when they hear someone coming she thinks it's his wife so she hides under the desk and it's actually these two hitmen who confront and immediately kill Eddie and she's kind of under the table witnessing it all and like an awful situation for her but it was uh, it was very entertaining to watch yes straight off the bat we see that yeah this firm like we thought it was just like people who want to leave the leave the firm you know might get themselves killed but it's like you do anything to mess with the firm and you probably end up dead which is really full-on like for a what is they describe as not that big a law firm like it's yeah 40 folks yeah there's like 40 lawyers which to me seems like a very big law firm but apparently is not oh yeah so mitch goes to like a seminar thing in washington mm-hmm. i believe it's here because the, the, mon- mon- the uh, monuments there right and he's immediately made to go talk to the fbi and the department of justice the way they catch him is ed harris's character wayne from the fbi has put like the news clipping about eddie's death in his little folder thing and then when he turns around he's just sitting there staring at him across the room that's how some one way to get someone's attention um <laughs> the, 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 the department of justice is like yeah we're onto these guys either you help us or you're going to be brought down with them and you'll you'll go to jail so mitch is like immediately put in this really fucked kind of position where yeah he wants to help because what they're doing is I guess what they tell him is that it's 70% of their clients are all mob, everything else, yeah, illegitimate right. businesses, and only 30% is legitimate. They're basically like a boutique, like a boutique law firm that mostly services uh, the mob in Chicago. That, yeah, if Mitch doesn't help, he's going to go jail along with the rest of them. So it's in his best interest to help, even though he'll get disbarred and never be able to practice law again, and he'll be actually breaking the law himself by breaking client attorney privilege. So he's in, like in the worst possible position. Um, He's also sort of told like these guys kill anyone who tries to leave. Like why are, do you think there've been four deaths in the last 10 years? These fairly young people. Yeah. It's like they tap everything. Like they tap your home phones, at your phones at home. They were in the office. Like they're, they're watching your every move. So either you do this or one of us is going to get you. So yeah, I feel really bad for Mitch. Like he just thought he was getting a nice little job in Memphis, lots of money. And yeah, oh, yeah he's now his bummed. life is ruined. It would have been funny if the two previous lawyers that got killed also died in a boat explosion. Like if if the <laughs> if the law firm like that's their whole thing, <laughs> they they just kill people with boat explosions. Like like we can't get them onto a boat, but they somehow like <laughs> yeah. some sort of land boat <laughs> explosion. Yeah. It was a canoe in the middle of a golf course. 
Mitch, you know, has all this new information. His tactic is, though, which is very brave, he actually goes straight to all the big guys in the in the firm and admits to them that the FBI has come to see him. But he does a very abridged, like, vague kind of telling of what, you know, what they was actually said. And I guess it's just to gauge what their reaction's going to be. And they kind of play it off a little bit like, they're just always after us. Just, you know, do the right thing and you'll be fine. Um, He goes home and has to tell Abby what has gone on. And um, Abby... Is obviously distraught, like she runs from the house, and this is the first time we see a Tom Cruise run, and yep. it's like the quintessential Tom Cruise run. He sprints from the house like so fast. I don't like she had to have like a five minute head start for him to <laughs> yeah. be able to run that far and fast. Yeah, and he kind of tells her like we have to just pretend like nothing's going on because we might get killed if we act up or try to leave. Right, uh, which is yeah, a fucked thing to put your wife into. But what can you do? Hey, um, all her red flags that she was seeing were right. Poor Abby. So what? Mitch decides to do he's like all right I guess I'm going to do what they want I don't have a choice so I'm just going to start copying files and go from there except when he tries to copy files he can't because as I said earlier they charge clients for everything so he needs to actually put the client code in before he can even photocopy so that they can charge the client for that 10 seconds it took to photocopy something so he's yeah Immediately hits a hurdle, but he gets some help when Tammy rocks up to the office to tell him what actually happened with Eddie being murdered. She's like, I'm in danger and you probably are too. What can I do to help? And he's like, actually, I have a really good idea. Um, Basically, they are going to work together to try and bring this firm down by stealing the files that he needs, getting her to photocopy them, and then he'll take them back um, since he can't do it at work. Pretty convoluted, but it seems to work. (laughs) Yeah. This is about where it starts. Yeah, this is about where it starts getting really convoluted. Yeah, so much starts to happen. And yeah, like I said, I had to, as I was writing notes, it was when I was there, I'm like, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not just running for the second half of the movie like I thought it was. So, yeah, they've, they've worked out a way that they're going to, to do this in a way that won't get them immediately noticed by the firm. Uh, on the way back after this scheming, this master plan, Mitch is stopped by William, security guard, to have a chat. And as they're talking, the creepy blonde man with the blue eyes gets out of the car. And that's when, it, I guess, the final piece, of, he's like, oh, okay, this is definitely proof that it's the firm who've been killing all these people because, you know, this hitman is here right now. They take him to a private location like in a car park in the woods or something <laughs> and basically tell him like you know the FBI might do something awful like find out that you had an affair and maybe they have photos like we do of you having the affair <laughs> and if you're if you're good you don't have to worry about it and also here's some here are the photos of you having an affair totally like Real it's subtle. The, <laughs> the old like <laughs> like uh, nice uh, nice pictures of getting laid on the beach you got here It'd be a real shame if your wife found out by the FBI, yeah, not by us. We're not going to do it. Of course, we would never. But does someone was accidentally give these photos to the FBI? Right. Or who who knows what would happen? Yeah. So lots of like really not even subtle threats, just a lot of threats uh, that Mitch um, has to then deal with. But then they like do this really fucked thing where you know, they take him back to the office and he goes in. He's like all sweaty and stressed, and he's told you need to come into the boardroom right now. It's really important. He goes in there and it's everyone from the firm is in there, all the men from the firm anyway. And they're all like looking at him. They're like, you think you're so smart, but someone's smarter and he's you know, sweating bullets. And they're like, you passed the bar exam and you came second. And like his wife's there. So like after this horrible, like all these threats of in blackmail and everything, they're like, and also he's a surprise party. You did really well and you're, totally. you're a lawyer now. Awful. Okay. So this is feels like a, a bit of a weird spot to stop, but this, I just looked at my, 
my notes and there's still so much more that happens in this movie. I'm sorry, I've just been like a wall of text from my mouth trying to explain what happens in this movie. Um, <laughs> going to real he- really gets- heat up here in the next part. <laughs> Tom Cruise runs a lot, I promise. Okay, so we're going to pause here. So do you want to plug anything? I mean, you've told us about the King cast. Where can we find you like online? Yeah, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at, at Scott Wampler BMD and at the King cast at, at King cast. Fuck, I should know this off the top of my head, shouldn't I? Hang on, I think it's on my computer right now. Hang on. I think it's Hang on. KingCast19, but it could be the King. KingCast19, yep, KingCast19. Okay, yes, yes. Please stop by and check the show out if you are even remotely a horror fan. Yeah, it's a it's a really good time. Um, I haven't read a lot of Stephen King. I've, I've read a bunch, but I've watched a lot of Stephen King movies, and yeah, it's a really good time. Well, thank you for saying so. You're welcome. Yeah, for me, if you want to look me up, it's Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram, Tom Cruise Reviews. You no s on the end on Twitter, or just check out the website tomcruisereviews.com. Uh, we will continue with the rest of the firm next week. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Adios, folks.